The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org. Will you sing with me this morning?
what um, living your life for the Lord looks like. Um, so this summer I was able to go to a two-week Christian camp in the mountains, and I was able to see a lot of really great people um, and see a lot of good outlooks on how living a Christian life looks like. Um, and there was a point in the camp where I had 24 hours by myself in the mountains, and it wasn't as hard as I thought um, it was going to be, probably because um, I had about a week and a half beforehand just reading my Bible and spending time just with the Lord and myself. Um, but it was really good. Um, I was re- able to realize the importance of the passage that I'm actually about to go over in this time, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but one of the distractions I had in this time uh, was the wildlife, um, the bugs to be specific. Um, they were they were so bad. Um, they had me marching and swatting my hands the last two hours of the 24, and I was ready to be done. Um, and then the other one is a little rodent who, um, while I was sleeping, about two feet away from my face, um, decided to nibble on my hat. About, yeah, under a tarp. That was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, the only downside to this camp was that I would eventually have to leave and go back to my everyday life um, just without that time partitioned for him. Um, and so that time is very needed for me because... Um, it's difficult for me to find time in my, like, free out of um, school and everything because I do a lot of sports and extracurricular activities for my school. I do everything that um, my school has to offer for me, and I don't have a ton of time outside of that um, to do what I want. So sometimes I feel disconnected from God and the word that he gives us, Um, But thankfully, he gives us a clear understanding of what that means in our day-to-day life. So in Romans 11.22, it states, Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And when it's talking about being cut off, it means from the nourishing root, or God. Um, And as we are sadly most of the time grafted and broken off from this root um, multiple times through our life, um, it's um, sometimes hard to see God's grace and mercy, and it's pretty easy to see um, the severity of the world and how chaotic our lives can become without him. Um, But listen to verse 23 and 24 when it says, And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? It is 100% easier to live life with a clear, positive outlook when you have someone who supports you. Not only the creator, but someone who is willing to graft you back into their nourishing root after you've turned him from uh, the things of the world. So um, stay with the one who never pushes you away. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your grace and your goodness, and especially on a day like today that you are waiting with outstretched arms for us, even though sometimes we're looking away at other things of the world. Um, I just thank you for sending the only one who could pay our debt. And um, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
from the gospel story if this passage wasn't there. This showed up, this uh, statement showed up in another Bible study I'm in, and it really kind of pushed me this week. As we're talking about Romans, specifically Romans 12, what would happen if this part that we're looking at today wasn't there? Now, reminder that Paul wrote Romans to young Christians, uh, young believers, some of Jewish background, of Gentile background. There are people in a hostile environment. Paul had most likely not met any of these people, and he wants them to know the gospel, not to be aware of it, but to soak in it, to live it, to breathe it. And he spends the first seven chapters of the book explaining the truth of the gospel, that salvation comes from Jesus, that, that our hope is in Him. and that It's not in how many things you do or how many good things you do that you're still going to battle sin. And then in chapters 8 through 11, he, he talks about life in the Spirit, what it means to live through the Spirit, that nothing can separate us, that salvation is for everyone. The Romans can't take it for, from you. And then in chapter 12, he starts talking about spiritual gifts. What would I miss from the gospel story if this wasn't there? You know what I think we'd miss? I think we'd miss you and me. We're in this series called Authentic, Authentic Faith, Romans chapter 12. If you're online or on the radio, thanks for joining us. We're going to be in chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 today. But this passage, I believe, is foundational. It is an absolute concrete basis for us to build our faith on. And if we don't get this, the church is going to miss power. Now, power is not in the building. Power is in the power that I'm talking about today is in the collective. It is in the cooperative of us working together. Now, a couple of clarifications. Today is going to be more teaching rather than preaching. If you're visiting with us you're going to go, I don't get it. But this, this really applies to how we live out the gospel here in Portalis. So I need you to tune in, have the back of your bulletin, be ready to take notes, have your Bible open. And that most of the things that I'm not talking when I'm talking from Scripture are my opinions. Now, that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. They're my opinions. I want to share those and that we can walk and grow in our faith together. So join me in Romans chapter 12 specifically 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is in, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There are two distinct train of thoughts on opening Christmas gifts. There is one train of thought that it is a clean and organized event where mom and dad have her makeup on, their matching outfits, their coffee is brewed. The kids are polite. They're uh, 
trash is piled neatly on the side. We call these people serial killers. Um, you're looking at the precursor to one of those Dateline shows five years after this, because uh, that's nuts. Nobody does that. The real version of Christmas is Christmas morning with the presents. It's a madhouse, true? I mean, there's paper everywhere. There's noise. There's excitement. There's, it, it's not organized. It's not structured. It's a free-for-all. But the kids screaming with joy. You, you know what I'm talking about? They can't wait to see what the gifts are. They can't wait to see what's in the next box. If we're talking about spiritual gifts from our God above, I wonder if that's what God, if that isn't what God wants from us. Now, I get it. Scripture says we need to be decent and in order. I, I think that's right. But I'm talking about the excitement that is in the face of a child. The eagerness of kids. And as we look at, at spiritual gifts in chapter 12, what this passage tells me is there are a lot of gifts and there are a lot of people. But I think we miss one of the biggest parts of this whole story in verse 3. It's a huge qualifier, and it says, Don't think more highly of yourself. I used the NIV today, and it says, Use sober judgment of yourself. What it's saying is, don't think too high and don't think too low of yourself. Have an accurate view of yourself because of Christ. See, he spent Romans, the first 11 chapters of Romans talking to these young believers and say, since you've come to Jesus, everything's new. You're a new person. It's a new identity. You have a new reality. You're forgiven. You're made clean. You are secure. This new family, the Romans can't take that away from you. He says, you need to know this. And, and you are given this gift for the growth of the kingdom. And I believe we need an accurate view of ourself to utilize our gifts. He says in this version, we need a sober view. I don't think he's talking about alcohol. I think he's talking about anything that would warp our view of ourself and what God has done in us. That would distort our view. Because here's what I think. If we have too high of a view of what God has done in us. That is going to result in relational conflict. We are going to struggle with unity. And I'll tell you this, that is the basis of racism. It's the basis of elitism. Because we think suddenly we're better than some other people, whether it's skin color or economic or whatever it is. We suddenly think we're better. I'll tell you another place you'll, it'll show up is disunity in the marriage. If one person thinks they are better than the other one and have more gifts than the other one, or they're righter than the other one, then it's going to result in conflict. It's going to result in disunity. But if you have too low of a view what God has done in you, it could create a victim mentality. How many of you know people that... Everything works against them. Everybody's out to get me. The refs are always against me. You know what I'm talking about? Everything is the bad. It's, it's the cup is half full. When we have too low of a view of what God has done in our life, it can cause us shame. It can cause us insecurity. 
And insecurity, when it is ble- when it's full grown, it will become a works oriented religion. I gotta I gotta make sure God likes me. I gotta make sure God sees me. So I better do more things. You hear what I'm saying? And either way. It, we miss out on the grace that God has offered. Let me see if I can make an, a bowling illustration. How many of you have been bowling before? Okay. We got to experience the Portalis Fun Center recently opened this week. It's a wonderful event. If you haven't got a chance to check it out, go say thank you to the Nixon family. Wonderful place. Uh, really fun. It's got bowling alleys. It's got a skating rink. We went there and experienced it this week. But if you've ever been bowling, there's a, there's a lane, and then there's like a little curve thing on this side, and there's a little curve thing on that side of the lane. What do we call those things? The gutters. Now, if I'm trying to roll down, and I'm trying to knock down the pins in the middle, but it goes off to this side, and it falls in this gutter, and goes to the end, how many pins do I get? Okay, but that's on that side. What if I'm on this side, and I roll it, and it goes, and it falls in that gutter, and it goes on, how many pins do I get? None. It doesn't matter if it's on the left side or the right side. It doesn't matter if it's on the high side or the low side. If I have too high of a view, I'm going to miss the pins. If I have too low of a view what God is doing in my life, I'm going to miss the pins. Paul is telling these young people, these young believers, our purpose is to be a disciple and to make disciples. We need an authentic faith to show this around. And friends, before we dive into spiritual gifts, we need to soak in our identity. We need to know who we are, that we are Christ's child, and that He he has the best in store for us. Now let's get on to the list of the gifts. Except, it's not really a list. Now Paul shares seven of them here. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. But in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul also talks about spiritual gifts. In that list, he lists five. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And and then Peter, in 1 Peter 4, he talks about spiritual gifts, but he only lists two. Serving and speaking. And then Paul, again in 1 Corinthians 12, he has two lists in that one. One has nine things, one has seven things, and all of them are wrapped around 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, the one we use at weddings, but the irony is it's not for weddings, it's for spiritual gifts. Because you can have any of the gifts, you can have a bunch of things, and if I have not love, I am just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Here's what I think. I do not believe this to be a complete list. I think in the one that we're looking at here in Romans chapter 12, there are some things that they can overlap. I think there's some duplication in all of these lists. I don't think this is a definitive list. I I think there are some that are still not listed. But here's one thing I firmly believe. Every single believer is gifted, has spiritual gifts. Now, here's why I think that. If I come to Jesus and I surrender to his lordship, I come and I'm buried in baptism, I'm raised a new creation, and I am gifted with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Will anyone argue that with me? Okay, that's pretty standard that we believe this. 
that if the Holy Spirit is living in us, then He has gifted us. Scripture says, He has imputeth unto us His righteousness. He has poured into us. Every believer is gifted. Gifts are not our, our learned behaviors. Gifts are not things that you learn to do your job. But giftings can be some things that are in you that will help make your job better. Some are gifted with real mechanical minds, and they can understand things. So they go into mechanics and different things. Some are gifted with craftsmanship, and, and they go into, and you can use those gifts in those works. But it's not the learned behavior. They can impact your job and your career choices. We sing that song, I have seen the evidence of your goodness all over my life. But friends, make no mistake about this. Your gift is given and it exists in relation to other people. It translates for the function of the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are given to grow the kingdom. God never says, hey, here's a bunch of power. Go do whatever you want to with it. He says, I'm giving you this, and I want you to build the kingdom. He made these to share with your family. They're not created to make us anybody bigger or anybody smaller. Everybody is a helper. And Paul is telling these Romans, hey, you have a purpose, and your purpose is to make disciples. But sadly, I've seen a lot of Christians that claim to love God, but are not utilizing their spiritual gifts to make disciples. Maybe it's because we just don't understand them. Every person has a role here. Every person has a role in the kingdom. Look back in verse 4. In verse 4, it starts out with, in my version, and this one, for just as each of us. Something, some of yours says just or just as. When it's translated from the, the Greek into English for us, Paul is using a simile here. He is using a, a comparison. He is comparing the various individual parts that make up the whole body. Every part of your body is important. If you don't believe me, go step on one of our New Mexico uh, stickers in your bare feet and figure out how important your little toe is then. All right, Every part is important. And you belong to this supernatural spiritual body called the church. Now, sadly, what we've been talking about in this series is the the word Christian and the word church, it has come to mean a casual association with a building. But Jesus meant for you to be associated with purpose, to make disciples. And he built this supernatural thing, the body of Christ, and you're a part of it. You see, when God built the church, he didn't build a dictatorship where one person gets to run everything. He didn't build a democracy where mob rules and nothing gets done. He built a body where Christ is the head, there is leadership, and every part is a functioning, important part of our body. Listen, you are needed here because your talents and your abilities and your backgrounds and your experiences and your skill sets were given to just you. Nobody but you has your 
skill set and giftings. But I'll tell you something else. I believe there are things here that you need. That you also have needs that only the church family can fulfill. There are things that you're not going to get anywhere in the world. And here's why I think it's important to have an accurate view of our giftings. Because if our view of what God has gifted us or what our talents are or what, what is going on in our life is too high, we won't see a need for other people or other backgrounds. But if it is too low, we won't feel worthy to serve. Or we won't feel worthy to be loved by others. At the end of verse 4 it says, We belong to each other. Sadly, we've become this consumer-based church idea in our culture where we go church shopping to find the thing that meets our needs. I've got to go find something that meets my needs. It's as if we've come to say, ask not what you can do for the church, but what that church can do for you. And that's not how He wants us to talk and work in our gifts. You see, I believe when we understand our giftings, you'll see that it is one of the primary indicators of what God wants you to do in your life. When you understand how you are gifted, you're going to understand and and you're going to make life decisions based on how God has gifted you. Our problem is anybody talks about spiritual gifts, we often jump in here and talk about, well, which gifts are really active and which gifts do I have and which gifts do somebody else have? And then somebody brings up speaking in tongues and everybody gets all awkward for a minute, all right? I don't want anybody to be awkward. I want us to realize that our responsibility is to use our gifts to point people to Jesus. Too many times we're trying to figure out who has what, and we miss that God is deploying His body all over the world to impact lives in your workplace, in your family. If you zoom out of Romans for just a second and look at the big picture, he is, He's building this new church with young believers, and He tells them, you are saved by Jesus. Not by how good you are, not by all your works. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. And he says, salvation is for everyone. The Romans can't take that from you. We have 10,000 reasons for my heart to sing. Did you hear that? And then he says, in view of God's mercy, in view of what He has done for you, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Build your life. I will build my life upon your love, upon your word, upon your truth. Here's the kicker. Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are because you've never unwrapped your gift. It sets lonely sitting under that tree and God keeps wondering when you're going to open it up. So let's talk about it for a minute. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory? Okay, I'm not asking if you've taken a personality test, if you're, a, you know, if you're an Eeyore or if you're a, t- a Tigger or anything like that. I'm talking spiritual gifts inventory. There are lots of them. They're out there. Uh, Wagner House modified inventory is probably the 
the granddaddy of them all. Heart to heart inventory is a younger, newer one I've seen and used parts of it. Uh, uniquely used spiritual gifts. This is one that is online, giftstest.com. Write this down on your bulletin, giftstest.com. Plural, get the S in there. And it takes, I don't know, 12, 15 minutes. And it's all online. There's like 25 questions in there. And all of these that I've just talked about are assessments. They're inventories that are starting points. How many of you have ever taken inventory at a retail business? Okay. Inventory is just go in and what do we have, right? How many bolts and screws and, you know, and rolls of toilet paper? What do we have and what, do we, what is around here? The, the beauty of these kinds of things is they are a starting point, a place to begin the conversation. We had this discussion last night all the way home, talked with the kids about spiritual gifts. What do you think yours are? Let's get together and let's talk about it. And, and I think it's a great idea to get us talking about these things. I want to encourage you with all I have to take some sort of a spiritual gifts test. Now, but I, as soon as I say that, I, I want a warning. Guard your heart as you do this. Okay? This is not go on Facebook and see uh, which kind of flower are you or which Disney princess are you most like. All right? that's, not, that's a personality test. Uh, if you draw the tail on the pig and it curls this way, it means this. Uh, 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 all right, that's, that's horoscopes, okay? We don't need that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an honest inventory of how God has blessed you. And we want you to do this so that you will know your talents, so you'll know where God has empowered you to be working in the kingdom. Now, Paul says something about each one of these in Romans 12 here, there's seven that are listed here. He talks about prophecy. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. Now, a lot of people look at that and go, oh, future telling. That's really not what it is. Prophesying is speaking the words of God, speaking the heart of God. In the Old Testament, the prophets were speaking often about things that were going to happen, but they didn't have the scriptures close by that we do. We have the giftings of that. And prophesying is speaking words and the words of God and the heart of God in a clear way. Maybe your gift is in serving. And I've seen that happen so many times. People jumping in and helping out when we have funerals. They just jump in. They just they don't know how to. And there's not a bunch of look at me and look at how great I am. Jennifer is fantastic at that kind of stuff. She just jumps in and gets stuff done. There's a lot of people that are truly gifted in that way. If, it's, if you're gifted in serving, then serve and do it joyfully. It says if your gift is teaching. Now, we have celebrated our educators here this month, uh, all through the month of August, and we love our educators and we're thrilled with all of them. But this is not exactly what that's talking about. This is talking about, in my belief, spiritual teachers. However, a teacher that can make things clearer, a teacher that is gifted in making things clear. She's here, and I'm going to call her out, but I don't really care. She can stab me later. Uh, how many of you know Lynn Walker? Okay. All right. If you spend 3.8 seconds with Lynn Walker, you figure out that's a kindergarten teacher right there. All right. It's just gifted, okay? But 
That is not her, her gifting is not her job. She took her gifting and it utilized it in her career choice. And so many of our other educators have done that too. How many of you know Clint Walker? Would you want Clint teaching your kindergartners? <laughs> Whack! Love you, bro. He hit him with a bat. I love you, man. You know that. I can give you a hard time. But looking at Lynn and how gifted she is and using that to make things clearer. You hear me? So using our gifts to make a difference. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe you write cards. Maybe you're in kindness, he says, lifting others up. Encouraging words, gifts are so good at so many people are good. Marie's so good at that. There's so many people that bless other people like that. Maybe your gift is in giving. You go, how is that a gift? Because I've had friends that come to me and said, Man, I'm not a very good speaker. I don't know how to talk, but they're really good businessmen. They make really good money and they continue to fund things. There's a guy named R.G. Letourneau who was a, an industrialist in World War II. He created, figured out how to make earth movers and sold them to the army while they were rebuilding stuff and became a billionaire way before billionaires were cool. And he made lots and lots of money, but he was a strong believer. And he believed in reverse tithing. He lived on 10% of his income and gave away 90% of it. Because he wanted to bless people. That's, he felt like God made it this way, then I'm going to make it work. He used his gifting to make a difference. But did you notice how Paul references these gifts? Every time Paul references these gifts, it is in reference to one another, to other people. Use these gifts for other people. If, if your gifting is encouragement or sh showing kindness, then do it joyfully. If your gifting is teaching, then take it seriously. If your gifting is giving, then give generously. He's calling us into community. And that occurs when the real you... Now, again, remember what we've talked about all through Romans 12. In view of God's mercy, I offer my body as a living sacrifice. I know His will, and I am walking in His will because I'm listening to His giftings. The real me shows up and meets real needs for the right reason in the right way. That's community. And these are gifts that God has given us to make a difference and to make disciples. A friend shared this story with me recently, and I wanted to tell it. And I've tried it, and I've practiced, and it just didn't work. It's from a lady, and, and I think it's just better if I just read it. So I want to share this with you. This is from a woman, and she said, Last week I took my children to a restaurant. My six-year-old son asked if he could say grace. As we bowed our heads, he said, God is good, God is great, Thank you for the food, and I'd even thank you more if Mom gets us ice cream for dessert. And liberty and justice for all. Amen. Along with your laughter and the laughter of some of the other customers nearby, she said, I heard a woman remark, Well, that's what's wrong with this country. Kids today don't even know how to pray. Asking God for ice cream. Well, I never. Hearing this, my son burst into tears and he asked me did, did I do it wrong is God mad at me as I held him and assured him that he had done a terrific job and God was certainly not mad at him an elderly gentleman approached the table he winked at my son and he said 
Son, I happen to have it on good authority that God loved that prayer. And the little boy said, really? And he said, oh, cross my heart, really? And then he leaned in and kind of theatrically pointed at the woman that, whose comment started the whole thing, right? And he said this, too bad she never asked God for ice cream. A little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. Amen, hallelujah. And this is how the story finishes. Naturally, I bought my kids ice cream at the end of the meal. My son stared at his for a moment, and then he did something I will remember for the rest of my life. He picked up his Sunday, and without a word, walked over and placed it in front of the woman. With a big smile, he told her, here, this is for you. Ice cream is good for the soul sometimes, and my soul is good already. But you see, he was given a gift, and then he gave that gift to somebody else. You hear me? Authentic faith. I started this by asking, what would we do if this passage wasn't here? What would we miss without this discussion of spiritual gifts as we talk about authentic faith? You know what we'd miss? We'd miss ice cream. We'd miss you and me. We'd miss us being together. We'd miss us. You see, God has gifted you to make a difference. I want to plead with you to take some kind of a spiritual gifts test, to pray about it, to guard your heart, to walk through it, to talk with your family, to keep praying over it. Maybe you take two or three and compare the results. And let God work in your heart. But the more we know what we can do, the more we are empowered to go be disciples and make disciples. Amen? Because that's our calling, is to be real, to be authentic, to be His children. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.